You're listening to The Reading Riot. or what? Welcome back to another episode of the Reading Riot podcast. Perfect podcast for readers, writers, and fans of short stories. And you guessed it, you guys. There's another Halloween episode. (laughs) So pumped. Let's go. So before I jump into this episode with my guest, I have a very special treat for you. There is a book coming out December 6th called Haunt by Rachel H. Drake. So if you're looking for a cool, spooky, romantic read to add to your TBR, Haunt is it. Rachel was even kind enough to supply me with the blurb and the first few paragraphs of her book. Ah, I'm so excited. So I'm going to read those for you today. So here is a quick preview of Haunt by Rachel H. Drake. Blurb. I don't fear him. I crave him. My ghost has been my protector and friend for as long as I can remember. But recently, our relationship has changed. He grows stronger each time he touches me and feeds off our physical chemistry. I want him, but he is a ghost and I am very much alive. How can this work? Now that I'm finding out there is more to our relationship, something has me connected to him and my family in the afterlife. Can I use this connection to bring him back? Though he has never scared me, this does. I'm afraid of how I feel and even more fearful of what I do to keep him with me forever. Chapter one. My ghost has always been with me. The first memory I have of him was when I was six years old. I was hiding under my blanket. It was night and my parents thought I was asleep. I could hear their yelling downstairs like usual. My parents never mentioned it in the morning, but their arguments happened when dad was home from his business trips and I pretended I didn't hear them. I was under my blanket, crying as softly as I could, and I felt something brush my face. It was a soft caress, barely there, and just for a moment, I didn't understand it then, but my body seemed to know I wasn't alone. For years, When I would cry, I would leave space in the center of my bed, and I would stare into that space instead of the wall. My ghost comforted me and protected me so that I was never alone with my sadness. I can't see my ghost. There was no outline of a man or a shimmering at the corner of my eye. He is my invisible companion. Using a cold breeze, he commands to show me he is here. So that was a little blurb from chapter one. So what you can expect from Haunt, it is the first book in an interconnected standalone paranormal romantic series. Ooh. So books in this series can be read in any order, depending on your craving. Yeah, I love that. 
So Hunt is a ghost-slash-invisible-man romance. It is not a suspenseful read, however. You will enjoy the series if you like happily ever afters, breeder trope, paranormal spicy books, and possessive men. The content of this book is intended for mature audiences. So if you guys are interested in Haunt by Rachel H. Drake, please go pre-order it. I have the pre-order link available in the description of this episode. Also go check out Rachel H. Drake on Instagram. All right, so let's get into this episode, you guys. Bex is back, and she has a new short story that is absolutely killer. We'll get into it. So without further ado, let's go. Connecting guest to the Reading Riot podcast. Connection complete. All right, everyone. This special guest has been with us before, but she was known then as Bookstagrammer Bex. Today, she is known as Bex Hemlock. <laughs> yes, pen name has been discovered. And it's killer. Yeah, I really like it. I was just so thrilled when you reached out to me and you were like, can I do it again? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it's a ride that you've never tried before. And then you do it once and you're like, okay, I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm so glad. I feel kind of like a proud mother right now because I feel like I kind of got you into writing because before you were on my podcast, you were just known as a reader. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, you can proudly wear that crown. I, <laughs> I have been bitten by the venomous bug that insidiously places ideas in someone's head and then gives them the gumption to move their fingers in certain coordinations to create words on pages. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard it put that way and I adore it. (laughs) Okay, so what made you turn from reader to writer? Um, honestly, confidence, to be honest. Um, everybody has great ideas and everybody has so much talent. I think what lacks in our world is opportunities. Um, And so Mm -hmm. taking the leap and joining the Bookstagram community was obviously like a big step for me because my, my account was always originally personal as, as most people's Instagrams are. And um, reading, reading back this year, uh, I got back into, into reading more and I started making connections because I've always been someone who could initiate a conversation. However, in real life circumstances, sometimes that can be, you know, a little bit harder because it's in real life, like right. person to person. And then on Instagram, it's like you just click a little section of your screen and then all of a sudden you have a private message availability. And um, I think I'm actually a, a group that I'm in. We actually talked about this this morning where it's like you you get this sort of mystique around someone who might have a lot of followers or they make really great content and you really you idolize them in certain ways and then you do make that first step and you do reach out and you create this amazing bond with them in a way that you know you see them differently at that point where they're not you know they're not this mystical being although they're obviously have magical qualities they're still just real people and um yeah you know, there's always the one-offs, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like want feet pics and whatever, but like, 
<laughs> but for the most part, everybody that you meet is so kind and genuine. And obviously, if you're reading similar books to somebody, you're probably going to get along great with them because you're going to have similar moral grounds and you're going to have similar tastes in, in fiction and all those different things. So it's a really great joining piece to bring people together. Once our mutual friend, Courtney, she she joined us together in a group chat and I don't know, you and I, we just clicked. <laughs> it was like immediate. <laughs> it was magic. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, who is this girl? I need to be her best friend immediately. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> same. <laughs> Honestly, same. I was like, you have such great abilities with Photoshop and like all these other cool talents and your voice is wicked. And just, you know, you, you do so much for so many people. And I was like, Heck yeah, if you want, because I remember you, you reached out and you were like, hey, would you like to like do a podcast interview? Because I don't typically interview readers as much because it's more of a writing podcast. And I was like, heck yeah. And then now I'm the writer. Yes, <laughs> dude. So. It, and, and what that was, how many weeks ago? And look at where you are now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's, it's a brand new adventure. I'm super excited. Um, and it's, you know it's spooky season. So this is where ideas download and great inspiration comes through where everybody's feeling a little bit more magical right now. Oh, I love this time of year. And and just with it not being as hot and it just feels crisp in the air. And I just want to curl up with like a candle and a warm blanket, read a good book or work on some writing. So you're definitely right with that. It's definitely a good time for mood writers. Absolutely. So I want to know, do you have any like Halloween stories or maybe even some paranormal experiences? <laughs> um, I do a little bit. They're not necessarily spooky ones. I do have one that I think would be appropriate to share. So we have a family friend. Um, if you need a visual, he's kind of like a British Robin Williams kind of vibe. Oh, like he's, I love he's that. older, very funny, um, similar physique, all those things. Um, so Mikey, he uh, he lived in the city and we, my partner and I, we went to a conference and we bunked down with him partially because he's our friend, but also just to save some money. And um, his house is um, a very old century home. And he actually runs a paranormal TV network where no he broadcasts. Way. Yeah. So he's like, he's right into this stuff. And he's had wicked stories. Like, uh, I can't even hold a candle to what his stories have been that he's shared. But when we were there, we got into the vino and we were watching a scary movie. <laughs> and I kid you not, his sliding door just opened and shut. And I thought that it was my partner who did it. And I freaked out. Like, I'm not someone who can do jump scares typically. Like, I, I scared myself writing my my short story. So that's to give you <laughs> a little indication on where my scare meter is. But um Anyway, so that happened and it was kind of inexplicable. It was windy, but, you know, we don't really know. But then he told me that his great uncle passed away and his ghost stays there. So there was just these, there was just these really, it was a very, it was a very calming presence, but it felt like someone was there. If that makes any sense and, you know, might be hocus pocus, but um, it was like once we, once we, uh, brushed our teeth and we got ready for bed. It was very, very late, but we went into our, into our room where he set it up for us. And, um, he said, Oh, uh, uncle Albert likes the doors open. 
otherwise he'll open them. And I was like, okay. So we, <laughs> oh so, we, so we went and we opened up our bedroom door because like, we don't want to piss off a ghost that's like, you know, wants to have the doors open. I guess right. maybe, maybe he likes to watch you sleep. I don't know. But um, there was no like, there was no like super weird vibes. It was just literally that you just felt like someone else was in the room. Like, you know, when your dog comes in the room and they're sleeping, like you, you can yeah. energetically feel that they're there with you. That's kind of the vibe of it. And, and like, my partner felt the same thing. So it was, like, that's oh. probably, like, our our sweet little paranormal story. <laughs> Dude, that that's cool. Yeah. Like, I think it's – I because, like, we don't know exactly what happens after death, right? Like, everyone mm-hmm. has their theories, and, and it also really depends on your religion. But, like, there's instances now in the world where we have this technology where we have – cameras and we have our cell phones where people are capturing stuff and you just wonder you're like this cannot be fake like mm-hmm. there out of all these videos there's got to be some legit moments that have actually been captured on film yes absolutely like <laughs> i i have fallen into the tiktok haunting talks or whatever oh, the no. hashtag is oh <laughs> My gosh, there is some that I'm like, ah, that's fake. I know how I could do that, like editing wise, because like that's how paranormal activity was done. Do you remember that movie? I did not watch it, but yes, I do know of it. Well, it was a super low budget film, the very first one. And what they did was a lot of split screen work. So that's how back in the day they would do like twin movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So the camera needs to not move. Um, and then you can go in there and splice the the screen with two different takes of footage, and then that'll uh, split it. So when they did, like, they put flower, I think, a scene from the movie, they put flower at the edge of the door frame. So if something walked through it, it would have flower all over its feet. And so the girl's sleeping, and then all of a sudden, footprint, footprint, footprint. And it's really <laughs> easy to do because you just, you stamp the footprint, get out of frame, stamp the footprint, get out of frame, and then you cut out the parts where you're stamping it on the ground and then it looks like you're walking. And then Mm -hmm. meantime, you have the shot of the girl sleeping. So then you have basically two sets of footage on screen that were filmed at two different times, if that makes sense. So for a lot of these, there could be like a string attached to the door or like the, the split screen camera stuff. But there is some where I'm like, I think this person's haunted. Straight up. Aww. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could handle it if that stuff started happening to me. No, I couldn't either. I mean, I, yeah, I believe in energies and I believe in a lot of different, like, there's unexplainable things and that's, that's kind of the beauty of life too. But if it's wrecking your sleep, you know. Yeah. Reach out, reach out and try to fix it. (laughs) Yes, because I am such a vivid dreamer because I think I sleep with my eyes open. So what happens is I, yeah, I, I sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, and I will project my dream onto what I am seeing because my eyes are actually open. So it looks like there's someone in the room with me sometimes, or I see faces in my walls or stuff like that. Really creepy stuff. So I'm like, if I, yeah, if I filmed myself while I was sleeping, I don't know if I'd like to see what happens. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so I guess that's the closest thing I'm going to get to like ghost stories because, you know, I talked about it in my previous episode. When I, I loved dined. that story. Yes. When I with dined rain, with a ghost. Yeah. And that was the closest thing I've ever gotten to anything paranormal thankfully i mean it's a great story it truly is 
Dude, I recommend it to anyone who hasn't gone to New Orleans. Like, you're getting the full experience when you dine with a ghost. I'm just saying. Well, I yeah. If I don't do that, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's on my there, list. There's so much cool stuff in New Orleans. Like, vampire folklore is also really huge. So, you know, because a lot of people traveled from all over the world to New Orleans. So it's a mm-hmm. melting pot of all these different cultures and different um, folklore stories. And, like, yellow fever was really big. I forget which century, but a lot of people were dying. And with yellow fever specifically, people would look sallow. Um, They wouldn't really be sleeping. I believe there was like a cough involved. And so when they would consider someone dead, they looked dead but it turns out they weren't. So what they <laughs> thought when these bodies were coming out of these graves is that they were vampires. And so that's what kind of, I think, started the whole, you know, thinking people were rising from the from the dead. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just really cool to hear all these stories and still see all these buildings that existed way back in the 1800s. And they're still around today. Absolutely. Mixed with all the folklore. Yeah. And also, like, it makes me think about, so we, so what we know now is in its own little container. And then fast forward 50 years and we're like, wait, we were doing that 50 years ago? How ridiculous. Whereas, like, 200 years ago, people were being buried with, um, like, sickles, you know, those, like, curved blades. Yes. They were buried with them, like, on top of their necks so that if they tried to rise from the dead, they'd basically, like, decapitate themselves. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, I mean, it's good to put in security systems, I guess, if that's how your mindset is. But, like, I don't think we need to do that anymore. No, no. I think we're good. I think we're good. You know, it's so fun because there's um, this... Um, these owners who have a vampire boutique that's right near Jackson Square. So you can go in there and it's all things vampires. You can even get custom teeth made, custom fangs, um, and that actually like fit onto your tooth. It's so cool. Okay, can I be vulnerable for a second? (laughs) You have a pair already. No. Oh my god. (laughs) No, that's where I was going. (laughs) That would just be like a normal share. You know how much makeup I have. Um, I... In high school, when I would skip class, go to the library, read books, I would read vampire fiction. And it got to a point where I read so much of it that I had a breakdown in the library in high school because I really wanted vampires to be real. And if they (laughs) were, I wanted them to find me. (laughs) (laughs) You were putting it out there. Hey, vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Come and get me. Um, And then I've also told my partner now and I said, if if you're hiding any sort of like vampiric lineage or whatever, you have to tell me and then you have to give me six months to get my body right. And then we can do the thing. (laughs) (laughs) So you're already prepping. You're like, I'm ready to go. I've read all the manuals. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. So if any vampires are listening currently, Come find me. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're putting that out there. This is a worldwide yeah. podcast. I mean, <laughs> look out because they yes. may be coming for you. Yes. All right, my dear. Are you ready for short stories? I'm so ready. I'm so excited to hear what you wrote. Ah, me too. I'm so stoked. And this time, Bex, you wrote the prompts. So why don't you tell us what it is? I did. And I, I, I'm grateful now for the gentle push that you gave me to pick this line, but, um, at the time, I was very nervous because I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. 
I don't know how to pick a prompt. And I remember that I sent you a couple and then I was like, okay, good. Whatever she picks, <laughs> then at least no, we're both picking it. They were, there were so many good options. I like, you did great. Honestly. Thank you. But yeah, I was definitely on the spot, but it was, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm very happy with it. Um, so the prompt was you need darkness to see the stars. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's where we, where we took it from. I love this one. So for new listeners that have just started listening to my podcast, each episode, I bring on a guest and we write two short stories using a prompt that we wrote for the episode. So using that prompt, it just shows how two different writers can take one line and create totally different worlds just based on our imaginations. And I just think yours is so fascinating, Bex. Like, I love where your mind wanders. Mm, thank you. Are you ready to hear the short story? I'm so ready. All right, here we go. Why, hello there, and welcome. <laughs> You're listening to Halloween Short Stories with Kim Raya. Enjoy, witches. <laughs> you need the darkness to see the stars. That's what my mother always told me in hopes I'd be less afraid of the dark. However, now that I'm laying on the roof of an abandoned van in the middle of the woods, staring up at the night sky, I view her wisdom differently. Without the dark, you'd never learn where light likes to hide. I can relate to those elusive shimmering stars. That's what I'm doing after all, hiding. It's for the best. However, the ghost of my mother is probably going to haunt me with her disapproval. She's been dead for nearly 10 years, but unfortunately premature death is common for witches. I hope to at least make it to my 30s because high school is such a bore. Once a witch is outed in a community, it doesn't take long for the infamous witch hunters known as the saints to track them down and burn them to a crisp. That's what happened to mother and why I've been on my own ever since. Yes, I have my coven, but those grouchy sorcerers have wands stuck up their butts. The moment I step a toe out of line, I'm in trouble, and my chore list has magically doubled. Trust me, you don't want to scrub more than one cauldron after a heavy boiling. The stench of a burnt potion will stick to your fingers for weeks. My stomach turns, dreading the punishment the High Witch will demand once my coven realizes I'm missing. To be honest, I'll deserve it, considering it's Halloween, our most coveted holiday. Though I'm just hanging on the outskirts of our encampment, I'm still not partaking in the yearly sacrificial rite. Every Halloween, one witch is chosen by our Dark Lord to sacrifice what they desire most, to prove their loyalty and devotion. I can't risk being chosen this year. Not a chance. It's all Katie Brooks's fault. Her crime? Being too damn gorgeous. I blame her immaculately braided hair, tight-fitting band tees, and the badass used red sports car that she parks in the front row at school. Oh, how I've dreamed of sitting in that passenger seat. Since I started my senior year, Katie has haunted my every step. Even in the middle of these deserted woods, I can still smell her spice pumpkin body spray. I let out a pent-up sigh, acknowledging one very apparent fact. 
No matter how much I've fallen for Katie Brooks, she will never, ever like me back. Why would the most popular girl at school want to date a freak like me? Unfortunately, I fit the bill of the loner orphan witch too well. My black hair always hangs limp and refuses to ever curl. My clothes are doomed to follow the coven's all-black dress codes, so I've always been labeled the goth kid. And to top it off, I'm the girl that gets her head pushed in a locker by Billy Moores after every fifth period. Unfortunately, Katie's seen this unflattering performance on more than one occasion. So that's why I'm here, to save Katie Brooks from the Dark Lord, because she is the one my heart desires. For her sake, I've got to hide out till morning. Then next year, when the right comes around, I will be long gone. Off to some college I won't be able to afford, forsaking my past as a witch. That's all I've ever wanted. A normal life with a mother to come home to. The idea is intoxicating, but I don't have a chance to linger on the thought. Hiding won't save her, Lillian. I roll my eyes at the voice of my mother's phantom, who hovers above me like an unwanted shadow. Her ghostly form dances with the fall breeze as she watches me intently. Not now, mother, I snap, sitting up. I'm not in the mood for a lecture. She frowns and sweeps in front of my face. What have I taught you, my little witchling? Running never solves your problems. I glare daggers, instantly pissed off. Maybe you should have run. Then the saints never would have killed you. She's quiet for a heartbeat. My death was unavoidable, love. But Katie's isn't. I throw down my hands, exasperated. Why do you think I'm here, mother? She tilts her head like a confused puppy. But Lillian... Mother doesn't have a chance to finish when an ear-splitting scream snakes through the trees, followed with the groans of monotonous chanting. The rite has begun. You must save her, love. I turn back towards my mother's ghostly form, my heart suddenly in my throat. Save who? Somehow I already know the answer, even if it doesn't make a lick of sense. The Dark Lord asked for your desire, Lillian, and it was given. Absent or not. Then she vanishes without another word. No, I gasp. I don't feel myself jump off the van, only the pumping adrenaline spiking my blood. Even in the pitch darkness, all I see is red. My coven betrayed me. They took Katie. Stole her away like her life means nothing. I bite my lips so hard I taste blood. No, I've already lost too much. They won't get away with this. Not when I know a secret they don't. Being blessed at birth by the Dark Lord with exceptional gifts, I'm the only one who has a chance to stop them. Running as fast as I can, I race towards the encampment. Bright orange firelight sways against the treetops, calling me towards my coven. My chanting witchling sisters all kneel in a circle around a boiling cauldron, filled to the brim with a simmering green potion. And hanging above the bubbling concoction is Katie, gagged and bound. The high witch stands inches from the cauldron, pupils stark white as she prays to our dark lord. I lock eyes with Katie, and I don't think, only act. Stop! I scream. My voice unnaturally echoes in the clearing. The high witch is knocked from her trance, and she sickens her poisonous stare on me. How dare you interrupt the right? She spits. You can't take her! I refuse to sacrifice. 
My coven gasps. The high witch's lips turn into a deadly smile. Then tell that to the Dark Lord yourself. Suddenly, the blowing breeze in the forest goes still. The fire's light begins to dim as darkness claims the encampment. The sound of chilling footsteps comes from behind me, but I don't have to look to see who approaches. All the witches bow their heads as the Dark Lord places a skeletal hand on my shoulder. You do not wish to sacrifice my darling Lillian. He purrs, a voice as deep as the voids of space. No, I breathe out as bravely as I can muster. His hand tightens on my shoulder, but not to hurt. Tell me why. My eyes burn with tears as I glance up at Katie. Because I love her, he huffs roughly. (sighs) That is not enough to save her. The Dark Lord raises his other hand and the fire sparks back to life. Continue the right. He commands and the High Witch's wicked smile gleams. The chanting begins once more as Katie starts to shake, trying to break free. I attempt to go to her, but the Dark Lord holds me back. The High Witch pulls a blade from her black robes and lays it against the rope. Say goodbye, Lillian. (laughs) She mocks with a cackle. No! I scream. She lifts the blade and slams it down, cutting the rope in two. Katie begins to fall helplessly into the boiling cauldron, and I do what no witch has done before. I curse the Dark Lord. Using every drop of magic, I allow it to flood my veins, causing my eyes to glow a menacing gold. Placing my hand on his, I chant a burning charm. The Dark Lord flinches back as if my hand was pure flame. I brandish my wand and catch Katie with a floating spell and lower her gently to the ground. The High Witch launches herself towards me with a shrill cry. I spin my wand and immobilize the entire coven. The High Witch magically stops a breath's distance away. Her blade inches from my throat. I cast a protection spell around Katie and bear my wand towards the Dark Lord. Tell me, my darling, did I make a mistake bestowing you with untamed power all those years ago? My turn to talk and yours to listen, I snap. He growls but allows me to speak. Love may not be enough to save Katie, but you've forgotten a debt you owe me. The Dark Lord goes deathly still, watching me intently from under his black hood. For the rules which we are all bound, a debt can never go unpaid. Debt, he repeats in question. I may long for this girl's heart, but you've already taken my true desire. And what is that? He snarls, baring his fanged maw. The answer is one I didn't realize until now, and I wield it like a mighty sword. My mother... A chance at a normal life. You've already taken what I desire most. Then my mother appears at the Dark Lord's side. With a gentle nod, she agrees with my declaration. Then my debt is paid. The Dark Lord huffs out a laugh, colored with an unspoken threat. (laughs) Until next time, my darling. He takes my mother's hand, and with a snap of his fingers, the entire encampment vanishes, leaving Katie and I alone in the dark. Lillian? A soft voice whispers. 
I turned to find Katie laid on the ground, free of all her bindings. I rushed to her side, not sure what to say. So instead, I help her up, and she gives me an odd look. I suppose I deserve worse, but where do I even begin? Katie, I... Did you mean it? She asks. Mean what? That you're in love with me. After everything that just happened, I'm blown away. That is her first question. Unfazed by the strangeness of the night, she anxiously awaits my answer. Instantly embarrassed, I toe the ground with my boot, tucking a stray hair behind my ear. Um, <laughs> yeah. Without delay, Katie wraps her arms around my shoulders and kisses me with all her heart. My eyes go wide, but within seconds, my lids flutter closed and I melt into her sweet kiss. The scent of spiced pumpkin wafts around us, and for once in my cursed magical life, I feel happy. As our lips part, she grins, letting out a cute giggle. <laughs> what is so funny? I ask, still utterly shocked. Shouldn't you be hella mad you were almost sacrificed to the Dark Lord by a bloodthirsty coven? She shrugs and leans in, rubbing her nose against mine. Comes with the territory. I've always had a thing for witches. The end. Ah! <laughs> it's so good. I love the twist with the mother being the sacrifice. I got chills from that. That was so Oh, good. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Mother was already dead. <laughs> and dang, I'd like to get Mia Katie. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it right? was so creative. I loved it. I loved, like... It's so hard in 1,700 words to create a magic system and backstory and history. And it's hard, but you did it. That was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, from the moment I heard your quote, like the thought of her being in the woods was like instantly in my brain. So I just, I didn't really know where I wanted to take it from there because I am a definite pantser. I don't know about you, but I kind of just like write and and see where it goes. So I did not plan for any of this, all I knew is I wanted the story to start out in the forest from the moment I heard your little prompt. And if you asked me a month ago what a pantser means, I thought it would be someone who pantses somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so spectrum line of like pantser to plotter. And then in the middle, there's plansters. I think I'm on the plotter side of planster, where I need to find an outline I do need to figure out how it ends <laughs> right and I can I can connect the dots you know like a connect the dot picture um I can do that you know for this podcast I really allow myself to pants um a lot because I I want I want to really honestly see where my mind takes me when I get these prompts yeah and but when it comes to writing books I definitely think I fall in the middle being a planster because I know the major beats um, but I, I'm not one of those people that plans out dialogue in advance. Like I'm very like in the moment, like I know I'll have a scene kind of like played out in my head, how I want it to go, but it isn't until I'm actually writing it that I allow it to kind of just naturally evolve. Because I think with me, if I plan too much, I then put my creativity in a box and I just, I don't prosper in that way. So mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta kind of make it up as I go. Right. I think I'm similar that way, too. Well, you're up next. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Another spooky short story. 
coming your way. You need darkness to see the stars, my dear, the psychic murmurs in an aged rasp. I don't want to see any stars. I want whatever the hell is in my apartment to leave me alone. Estrella rubs shaking palms across her sweaty forehead. I must be insane to think hiring you to perform a seance was a good idea. I don't even believe in this paranormal crap. Estrella tosses a few hard-earned $20 bills on the wax and salt circled floorboards and shoots to her feet. You were my last resort to getting some fucking sleep. This is a joke. Thank you for absolutely nothing. The pit of her stomach churns with frustration and defeat. Still and sitting within the candlelit pentagram, the seer inquires, you don't wish to know more about this spirit? She is entwined with your destiny, child. The seer pockets the wrinkled bills into her smock as her murky gray eyes meet Astrea's bright hazel ones. With a twitching smirk and wave of her weathered hand, all the candles whoosh out and darkness descends on the room. Astrea's heart thuds in her ears. What are you doing? Reaching into her pocket with a clammy hand, Estrella squeezes her coin-sized medallion, the edges digging into her palm. This coin of supposed protection has been passed down as a family heirloom for generations. Estrella felt it did nothing but be a comforting fidget object. This is not me, dear. This is your darkness speaking. Estrella replays all the events from the past weeks in her head, the banging of cupboard doors and random flickering lights, the paralyzing terror in the middle of the night where dark shadow figures stand at her bedside, startling her from a sleepy stupor. Every attempt to find a new place to live and leave is thwarted by unknown factors. The realtor becomes ill or the new place is immediately rented. Estrella didn't have many friends to mention, but the few that she did have refused to visit her apartment. They claimed it was freezing cold and you could feel someone else watching and it gave them the creeps. You're not listening, child. You must let her in. She is attempting to speak. Do you hear it? Candle at the center of the circle ignites as the seer juts her chin upward, her eyes rolling back in her head and her arms opening wide, as though she's being controlled like a puppet on strings. The next words out of her mouth are not of her own. Astrea. We must talk. The unearthly croaking echoes. We're bound by blood. I cannot allow you. Astrea cuts her off with a scoff and dismissive wave of her hand as she steps towards the door. Okay, I have had enough parlor tricks for one day. Thank you for your time. I need you to leave now. Estrella reaches for the handle to let the seer out. She is punched in the chest by a force unseen. The impact knocks the wind from her lungs. Filled with terror, she's propelled back into her dining chair, seemingly sliding of its own volition toward her. Her hands invisibly bound behind her and unable to move, Estrella struggles against her veiled bonds. The fuck? Did you drug me without me noticing or something? An otherworldly cackle erupts in the air around her, creating a stereo sound of eerie shrills. Suddenly, the haunting figure from her dreams blurs in front of Estrella's view, its dancing eyes aflame with glowing orange embers that peer deep into her soul. The figure's chest heaves with effort as though stillness is more challenging than moving. 
The choking stench of rot and death permeates the room, the scent of roadkill and maggots squirming. Astrea scrunches her nose and shouts to the phantom, What do you want? Moments that feel like hours pass. A Renaissance-era laced shift in dirty white clings to the slight feminine frame. The figure tilts her chin and her neck cracks jaw gaping at an unnatural angle. Finally, the smoky blur forms into a figure of a woman, her hair long and black. The hair is defying gravity and floating as if it's underwater through the ether. Estrella can feel the sweat beating upon her brow and lower back. Stealing herself, she shifts her posture to sit straight and attempts to put on her most confident facade. Well, I, I know you can hear me. Out out with it, her voice betraying her and teetering at the end. The seer is unconscious but breathing in slow rhythmic cycles on the floor, and quite honestly, the least of Estrella's concerns at present. She wonders vaguely if this is all a dream, and if so, it's an absolute nightmare, and she needs to wake up. The form creaks and inhale as though they may now speak. Estrella's heart gallops in her chest. The detached tone of the phantom's voice sends a frightening chill through her whole body. You, the apparition points at Estrella's chest, will release me. I no longer wish to be bound. Their voice crackles. Reaching upward with closed fists, her mouth opens wide and releases a ghastly screech. The vibrations cause Estrella's ears to pool and drip with blood as her eyes slam shut. As silence grows, Estrella opens her eyes just a sliver, only to find the ghost is directly in front of her, eye to eye. Without pause, it screams in her face. Resisting her bindings, Estrella thrashes, her will as strong as steel to be free. Suddenly, her phone on the counter rings, the electric trill of the ringtone distracting the apparition as they float back and proclaim, Oh, what is that? Estrella thinks quickly, Oh, you didn't know? That's my ghost entrapment device. Yes, you better fuck off or you'll be trapped forever by it. The ghost covers their ears and shrieks again as the ringtone increases, floating and writhing and curling into themselves as they fade from view. Reaching up to her hemorrhaging ears, Estrella realizes that her bindings have now been severed, and she swiftly scrambles to the unconscious seer in the salt circle, cautious not to disturb the ring. She shakes the psychic's shoulder in an attempt to wake her without success. She hesitates and then smacks the old woman on the head. This was not the time to be gentle. Startling awake and gripping where she was just smacked. Huh? Wh where am I? The seer surveys the room, locking wide eyes with Estrella. Oh, my child, this spirit is not well. She is malevolent. Her voice taxed and groggy. Souls are not meant to remain in this realm without a body. She has been bound for at least 300 years. Shivering at the sudden noise of dishes smashing on the floor, the room dark as a moonless night, Astrea squints at the seer. How, how do we get her where she's supposed to be then? <laughs> Flinching from the forceful slams of covered doors, spirit's energy or sanity is lost over time, but their power does not wane. The seer's tone, as though she's furrowed her brows, says... There must be an anchor holding and binding her hair. Tell me, is there anything you carry from long ago? 
Panic-stricken Estrella racks her mind to think what this could be, and her hands habitually travel to her gold medallion. Yes, this this is my family heirloom. It's from the 1600s. I always have it with me. Like, it was given as a family protection piece. We must burn it, then. Cover it with salt. Quickly, to the stove, the seer says with a shudder as the ghost repeatedly slams into an invisible force field of the salt circle. The ghost flies away from view. The far window opens and a gust of wind blows the salt ring. A blood-curdling cackle permeates the room. Estrella grabs a fistful of the salt and leaps to the stove, grabs a pan, and starts up the element, pausing for a brief moment, exasperation oozing from her fright. This is going to take too long. The seer holds up her own talismans to lure the ghost from Estrella as a distraction. With a quick inhale, I'm putting it in the microwave. Estrella moves swiftly to the other side of the kitchen. How long should you put it in for? Frantically, the seer replaces the salt circle. I, I don't know. It's not exactly a pizza pocket. Fingers shaking, she inputs the command and presses start. Sparks pop and flash in the viewing window of the microwave as the gold alloy ignites and melts, busting the glass turntable within. The ghost realizes the medallion is being destroyed and flies at Estrella, arms outstretched and screaming with her approach. Opening the microwave door, Estrella throws the fistful of salt on the molten metal. Just as she reaches Estrella, the ghost halts and makes eye contact with her. With a menacing smirk, she straightens and hovers. Clever girl, I thank thee for my unbinding. I bid you farewell. With a contented sigh, the apparition dissolves and the room's darkened haze fades away. The natural afternoon light saturates the home as the sounds of distant urban ambiance and bird songs drift back in. Estrella's chest billowing in relief, she glances at the seer who is now dusting herself off and straightening her shawls. Well, this was not a typical Tuesday for me, love. However, I do not feel the spirits present any longer. I will mail you an invoice for my fees. Placing a hand on her head, her tone changes, and I will forgive the smack. She shuffles to the door and opens it without protest. Looking back, she says softly, Take care, child. You acted valiantly. Your ancestors would be proud. Weeks go by and normality finds Estrella. She was able to secure a new lease and has moved to a new apartment, one closer to her friends, who enjoy visiting often now. Consistent, restful nights and tranquil mornings, Estrella finds herself with ample free time. Delving into her family's history, she finds pride in her heritage. This newfound admiration blossomed into a desire to explore an anthropology career path. Hope comforting her for the first time in recent memory, a promising and bright future. Undressing for a quick shower, Estrella twists the knob of the faucet to the middle. Tonight's her night to host a monthly game night with friends. She grins as her Bluetooth speaker plays her favorite playlist, stepping into the stall and feeling the warm water calming her senses. The room fills with steam, and just on the other side of the shower curtain, the circular bathroom mirror fogs with condensation. Unheard by Estrella, jarring squeaks create letters on the looking glass. S-E-E-Y-O-U-S-O-O-N. 
A distant, wicked laugh trails into the hallway as the eerie message then smears clean. The end. <laughs> oh, that was so good! Dude, your writing has improved so much just from the last time you were here. Uh, thank you. I can't take all the credit. I have had wonderful input from multiple sources, and I am so grateful for it. Oh, oh, I can tell. You've just grown so much in the last few weeks. Oh, the story was so good. You painted <laughs> such a vivid picture. <laughs> oh my gosh. There was um, so there was I love the comedic relief in there too. Yeah. Um like what is this a pizza pocket? Like I almost <laughs> burst out laughing. I'm like I can't throw her off, but that is so good. <laughs> oh good. I'm glad that that was um well received. Yes, because it was a perfect balance because that's what I love. Like when it comes to good writing, like there's a perfect balance of scary and humor and like you care about the characters because you're like, oh, we got to figure this out. It was so good. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I scared myself while I was writing it because I was getting in the groove the one day and then my dog barked. <laughs> while I was writing and I almost shot into the ceiling it felt like I was like oh my god well thank you so much Bex this has been so much fun oh my gosh thanks for having me Kim alright later witch <laughs> bye girl <laughs> <laughs> catch you later <laughs>